Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. MyCastingFile, the place for talent to get their start. All right. Welcome to Talking Like Normal People, a show dedicated to talking about acting, casting, and auditions, and probably some other things, too, with people who love it. I am your host, Ryan Glorioso, casting director based in New Orleans, Louisiana. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers. Please help us out by rating, reviewing, subscribing on iTunes. Stop rolling your eyes. Well, Google Play, <laughs> SoundCloud, Podbean, <laughs> Stitcher. We're on all those platforms. So check us out. Uh, subscribe. Um, we do have a postcard of the week, and uh, it's going to be read uh, with the vocal stylings <laughs> of uh, Mr. Robert LaRiviere. Thank you. <clears throat> um, actually, uh, we have a postcard of the week, but it could be from a year ago. So, April, sorry. <laughs> um, I just went to the postcard basket. Yes, there is one, and found this. April McCullough uh, has two headshots on the front, one with her hair up, one with her mm -hmm. hair down, okay. both okay. lovely headshots, right. yeah. which is A commercial and a theatrical, it seems. A Absolutely. Yeah. And um, this is interesting because uh, she says, Dear Ryan, I am a somewhat recent New Orleans transplant, and you were the last CD that I haven't met. We're going to follow up on that in a second. I think second. that's pretty old. Oh, yeah? I think I've, I think we've met, yes. Okay. Well, anyway, Jackson took her headshots last month, and we all know Jackson does a great job, as we can see by the front. Mm. She's with Brenda Netzberger at Open Range Management, and she hopes to meet someday, which y'all may have, and uh, I'm just going to throw that away, because apparently it's old. That's uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. And well, you, no, it was in the headshot basket. And you just put I mean, it was Judd's in the, friend's eye out. It was in the postcard that. basket. It Sorry about the eyelids. All right. Well, I guess I gave away our, our guest this week. Uh, <laughs> I guess this week is a talent who has played a number of uh, who has played the numbers game of being an actor better than anyone I've ever known with a very strong list of credits rooted in the southeastern market. You may know him from roles in Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, or the Hunger Games films. If not, you can check him out weekly on the hit CBS series Seal Team as Ooh. Lieutenant Commander Blackburn. Please welcome my friend Judd Lorman. What's up? What's up? So glad to finally make it down here for this. Oh my God. I've been dying to do this. Yeah? Yeah, ever since Very you started exciting. the podcast. Yeah. I, was, I know, you've been texting me like, oh, uh, as soon as I can we get there, yeah. you're coming to California? Yeah. We got to do it here, <laughs> which I thought would be a good idea. I even bought like a travel recorder, and I think you were part of the reason. I was like, oh, I'm going to be there. Yeah, Maybe. that, right? That didn't happen. I know. Yeah. I know. But we're here now. We are here now. But better than that, let's start from the beginning. Uh oh. And, you know, go as far back as you want. Tell us <laughs> how'd you get here? How'd you start? What was the, you know, tell yeah. us about you. Tell us your, a little bit of your life. So, whatever yeah. Whatever you want to share. Sure. Uh, yeah. And thanks for the intro. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> I kind of butchered the beginning. Oh, no, it was so good. I, I like might have that. to retape that. Yeah. Made me blush. Um, you do you do work that numbers game. <laughs> yeah. Better right? than anyone. Yes. So, I, um, you know, I went to high school in Lafayette, Louisiana alongside Robert here and I wanted to be an actor during middle school and high school and then when it came time when I graduated high school uh, I kind of just put that away because I wanted to stay in Lafayette I was having a blast you know I was I think I was bartending somewhere um, going to college it was just like I loved my hometown I didn't want to leave and back then you know this is way back this was before all of this hit Louisiana the only place I mean you had to go to LA or New York Right. To uh, if you wanted to be an actor. So I just kind of put it on, on, on hold for what turned out to be a long time. And throughout all that time, I would do things that the other jobs I would have were always somewhat communication related. You know what I mean? Like a, for a hobby, I was, I was on AOC doing a talk show. And then you know, I was a stockbroker for a while selling investments and um, just doing as many things as I could that would utilize, I guess, moving my mouth. You know, and then uh, finally, like in 2009, 2006, actually. Whoa, I want to back this okay, up. Okay, yeah, back it up, bit. back it up. Would I miss something? You didn't even mention wrestling in all of this? I just said the uh, talk show was about... Uh, What's AOC? AOC yeah. was just actually actually parodied on SNL last week. Oh. Like, legit. They Did, did you oh, see yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it, yeah. It so they they made fun of AOC and Lafayette. It's crazy. Indiana open channel. It's an open channel. It's oh. like a free... Like Wayne's TV. World stuff, right? Yeah. Where locals can do their own TV show... There's no restrictions. There's no FCC. Like it was specifically AOC that they parodied? Exactly. Like down to the letter, the logo, AOC, Lafayette. Yeah. 
Really? Yeah. Yes, it's on uh, SNL right now uh, on, on, the, on their website. Okay, so you had you... so I did a wrestling talk show. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, you never got out there and wrestled? Like you weren't a manager? I was a manager. Uh, Robert's just like why are you bringing it all out? Yeah, I, I was. It's so awesome. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, I was so into pro wrestling that like when I was in high school, it was like either I want to be an actor or I want to be a pro wrestler. He may not want to talk about this. Tough luck. <laughs> <laughs> Tough. Luck. No, it's all good. Okay. I just yeah no, um, I don't mind talking about it. And so this <laughs> this show was was your your thing? Or yeah, you, yeah. You I, were with someone else, or what? I did it with someone else. A guy co-hosted it with me, but. Um, you know, I produced it and, and that sort of thing and lined up wrestlers that I knew that who'd gone to uh, to be on television, or whatever, line up interviews and that sort of thing. And it was a weekly talk show. But w w the cool thing about it was in Lafayette, where you got a good wrestling audience in Lafayette to begin with. But I started the show, like, I think around 97. And it was right before the popularity explosion happened. Of, like, WWE. Of WWE versus WC, you know, the Nitro Raw, Stone Cold, Goldberg, like, all like that. Like, who were you, uh, who were your people in the wrestling world that you were like promoting or like oh shoot no like when i would go and be a manager or whatever it was on the indie leagues it was like the gotcha. it was like, like the non-union stuff it somebody's was like the, backyard high well school it was gyms. it was a little better in backyard yeah we did some high school gyms of course we did some legion halls that sort of thing and uh it, that came about because uh, i met one of the wrestlers on one of these shows and talked to him for a while and he was like dude you're you're good with words it's like you want to be my manager and i'm like uh yeah like, I mean, immediately, I'm like, done. So I would travel around, like, the uh, Gulf Coast region and go to these little wrestling shows. So, I See, mean, the man's always been a hustler yeah, and an entertainer. But, <laughs> okay, yeah, so right? you, you immediately said said yes, yes. to something like that. Um, I'm, I'm a person like that, too. I will say yes to something that I maybe have absolutely no idea how to do. Did, right. you, did you have an idea of yeah. what to do? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could do that. No, no, I've done what you did. As, I have done that many times as well. But with the wrestling thing, I mean, it's, I followed it for so long that you know, I, knew, I knew the role and I knew, I knew exactly what he wanted me to do. You know, uh, you get out there and you make people dislike you. You know, you talk. You talk to the crowd and get them hyped up, get them into the story of the match, that sort of thing. And I don't know what that was. It wasn't me. Oh, you're good. Keep okay. Going. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but I did that for a few years and, and so I'd meet wrestlers that way. And then I started the talk show in Lafayette, which like literally like exploded because not because it was a great talk show. It looked a lot like a Wayne's world type thing. Um, but is there footage out there that, uh, that we could like? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> so maybe if you YouTube, oh wait, Judge Judd, Judd No, it's not on YouTube. It's not on YouTube. Oh. No, I get. I still get Facebook messages from people saying, "Hey, when are you gonna put that on YouTube?" And I'm like, "There uh, have to be uh, a what? AOC archives somewhere." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was back then. It was all videotape. But um, anyway, so yeah, I did that for a few years. Uh, I was managing at Hooters in Lafayette. The same times, so a good little tie in there, you know. So, like, what time period is this? This was like, uh, so I started the TV show '97. I think I started managing at Hooters around '98 ish, and then I did all that up until about 2003, and then I just went, okay, I don't know what got into me, but I was like, I got to grow up and be an adult. Okay. And so I just quit and went and did investments for Edward Jones in Lafayette. Yeah, it was okay. crazy, and I did that for just a, maybe a year or so. And that's where I got into the number stuff, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. So Edward Jones, and look, this we'll come back around to this because of auditioning, but like Edward Jones, like really um, played a huge part in my mentality when it comes to auditioning later, because what we would do, this is crazy, but they were old school investment firm and they would actually have you when you're in your training period, mm -hmm. they would give you your office where it's going to be. And they would say, okay, here's your radius of your office. Your job is to go out and meet 25 new people every single day, five days a week for five weeks. Not to sell them, uh, you know, uh, stocks or bonds or anything, just to meet them, say, I'm Judd, I'm gonna be opening the office over there on Ducey Road, and get to know them and get their name and get their, you know, it's Mr. Uh, Mr. Anderson, Blue Cadillac, we talked about his, his yard work, right? Uh -huh. But to get 25 of those, on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday it was insanely hard. July, you're walking around with a sports coat on, you know, in, in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana. <laughs> How many of those turn into customers? Well, it's it's basically it's a formula. It's that Edward Jones has come up with. So it's like if you do it for five weeks, you've got what seven hundred, eight hundred, whatever contacts now, and then 
you go back and you visit them again later on. Hey, what's up, Mr. Frank? Yard looks great. Love the blue Cadillac. That turns into a second contact and a third and a fourth. And then eventually, you know, a few of those end up being customers. Okay. Setting up accounts with you. And so it's really old school like that. And I've always like equated that with auditioning. Okay. You know, later on, I, I realized a lot of actors look at their, their uh, booking ratio and they're like, you know, if you're not booking four out of 10 or whatever, and, 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 and not to say anyone's philosophy is wrong, because as we all know, this is so subjective, this stuff, but I always looked at it like, I don't care about the numerator. Let me work on the denominator. So if I'm booking two out of 10, what do I really want? I really want 20 jobs. I don't need to be 10 out of 10 or eight out of 10. I want 20 jobs. So what does that mean? I got to multiply my denominator. I got to get 200 auditions. I'll get my 200, my 20 jobs or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I would, uh, do everything I could later on to, it, it's just like the, uh, the, the Edward Jones, the new contacts meet 120. Just do your best. Go out there, go see Ryan as many times as you can over the next six months. And hopefully at some point he's going to find a place for me in something. If, uh, if I'm doing okay, you know, and yeah, that's, that's where I got that philosophy from. I never looked at an audition as, damn it, I didn't get this. I always looked at it as like, even to this day, it's your one no closer to a yes. Nice. And that's the truth. Like, that's literally how I think about it. Yeah, write that one down. <laughs> that could end up being the title of this episode. One no closer so, to a yes. To do Edward Jones, you're learning yeah. a lot about numbers, which become helpful later. The film industry rolls into town. Yeah. Which is actually the, you know, since high school, the first time I, I really reconnected with you in any kind of yeah, way. We bumped on into Glory each other. Road. Yeah, Glory, Glory Road. Road. We, we were extras. We were all yeah. doing extras in Baton Rouge in that, in Swine Palace for like a week, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's like the uh, next time we uh, reconnected. And that miserable. was right at the beginning of the new film industry. The yeah. Growth. It was like, so where do you go from there? Doing so yeah, I was, I, Road. in, oh, well, I, um, I quit the Edward Jones job because before that. Yeah. Okay. Just before that, because I heard that there was films in town and like, uh, I ran into Marcus Lyle Brown back mm -hmm. then somewhere. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, shout out, shout out. And, uh, Great actor. Yeah, he's back. I'm sure he, he listens to the show. You know he's listening. Religiously. You know he is. He's smarter than all of us. <laughs> yeah, Marcus was like, I uh, ran into him in Lafayette one day. He's, he's from Lafayette also. And uh, he was like, yeah, I just did some work in a film. And I'm like, what? I work in a film? And so he's the one that told me about the industry coming here. And it was so sporadic at that point, though. This was like 2005, whatever, six, maybe. So I, I the bug bit me again. I quit the job and said, um, all right, I'm going I'm to do this. But there just wasn't like... A lot of the volume of work wasn't here yet, mm -hmm. and I, re I remember my um, my agent, my first agent was uh, Gail Delcorral. Uh, Gail, yeah, she was Aww. she was so Love sweet. Gail. I did too. I liked her a lot, and I even like while I was living in Lafayette, um, we got an email one day from. Her I do office. a good Gail impression. Do it, do it. Let maybe, me hear maybe it. Maybe later. Tell us your story. Ah, uh, <laughs> I have to. Build, <laughs> All right, have to work this episode, I want to hear it. Um, but she, uh, I remember her sitting out an email one day saying, "Hey, I'm looking for an assistant to help in the office, an assistant to her assistant." And um, it was so different back then, but I was like, oh, I'll do it. And of course, I'm living in Lafayette, right? Her office is in New Orleans, downtown. Right. So I would drive in for six bucks an hour. Really? Yeah. To Because I wanted to like learn how the office worked. I wanted to be there when there was a project to come in. I wanted to be like, oh, you, you wanted know. to learn the business. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and um, so I did that for a while. And it, was, it consisted back then of, you know, this of the uh, the binders where a breakdown comes in on the fax machine and she stands there at the fax machine and calls out the roles to Heidi, her assistant. And then Heidi's pointing at me to which drawer to go to pull out the headshots and the resumes. And then we put them in a binder and then I would run them across town to Mark Finkannon or whoever was in town right. to do the project. Old school. It was old school, man. It really was. And it was, wow. it was, uh, but I learned a lot about it. And then somebody, that's, go that's good. I mean, like, you, a lot of actors are clueless when oh, it comes yeah. to that side of things. You know, they don't know like what the submission process is yeah. like. Yeah. And even though it's all on a computer now, it's still basically the same thing. So yeah. Yeah. Same principle. You just don't have to physically run. Just it way up. more efficient. <laughs> yeah. Way more efficient. <laughs> right. And, um, and so I did that for a little bit and it was just slowly, well, actually quickly going broke. And, because I'm driving back and forth and six dollars an hour. <laughs> it was brutal. Gosh. I had this little Toyota Tercel. It was on its last leg. And uh but I remember Gary Grubbs and Gail 
tomorrow's or the this week's current episode oh there we go yeah shout out to gary grubbs my man um gary i had hooked up with him at some point somewhere and i learned a lot from him just talking to him and everything and he told me one day he's like you need to go to la they're not casting you down here you need to go to la and i was like oh well i don't know and now you need they're not casting you they're casting other stuff get your butt to la trust me (laughs) and then miss gail said one day in the office she said you need to be in la sweetheart you need to be in la so I'm like, okay, I can go to L.A., right? Two people have told me. The only two people that will talk to me about the industry have told me I need to go to L.A. I guess I got to go to L.A. So I go out to L.A. I visit there for three weeks. This is like 2005, uh, maybe late 05. And my, I stayed with a friend, and the point of the trip was to do a cost-of-living analysis. <laughs> Remember, I went to the Edward Jones thing at the time, you know, the numbers, right? So, because I wanted to know how much would it take not to live on, but like to have a nest egg to dip into. Because I've heard stories about, you know, you lose every job you get because you're chasing auditions and got fired from the bartending job or the waiting table job because you went to a callback. Or, so I was like, assuming worst case scenario, I need to dip into it every month for rent and whatever. And how much do I need to last 18 months without having to call mom or come back home with my tail between my legs, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I came up with it, but I came up with $22,000. <laughs> that was the number. <laughs> and I said, all right, I need to save two, 22 grand before I go to LA. Now, how the heck do you do that? I just quit the Edward Jones job. <laughs> I've got uh, a $6 an hour job at Ms. Gale's office. <laughs> and I think I had a, a, a nighttime overnight radio DJ job in Lafayette. So I'm literally going back and forth, losing money every week. And I got to save 22 grand. So I find out about a friend of mine who has a job working offshore on the oil rigs. And it's one of the only jobs out there that required a college degree. Actually, they needed, uh, they wanted an engineering degree, and which I don't have. <laughs> and um, I, uh, it paid a lot of money because you had to be gone for unknown amounts of time sitting in the ocean or wherever. Right. So I went in there and I applied and I, they said, you don't, have a co- you don't have an engineering degree. And I looked at him, I said, trust me. <laughs> I said, you send me to the academy because that's part of the job training. You send me to that academy. I guarantee you I will pass and I will make this work and I will be one of your best MWD engineers. And he just looked at me and said, all right, we'll give it a shot. Sounds like your brother, Robert. Yep. <laughs> hustle. Yeah, just hustle, you know. And I um, I got the job and I I planned to work it for two years mm-hmm. and, and put aside money and I would get my 22 grand, but it took me three because I traveled a lot during my off time. And uh, so I went three. And by now we're at 2009. Okay. And I'm about to get married. I met my wife again, like reconnected with my wife. We're about to get married. And she says, what are we going to do? Like, are you going to keep working offshore or whatever? And I was like, she had no idea why I was working offshore to begin with. I hadn't told her it was just to be an actor because it sounds so stupid. Like, I'm working offshore, honey, to to be an actor. So... Um, I said, well, I could keep working offshore or the company's offered me a permanent position in Mexico that pays a lot of money. You would never have to work again. And she's like, or, and I said, or other option is, is, um, the reason I did this is because I wanted to be an actor and I was saving money to move to LA. So maybe I could do that. She's like, what move to LA? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm hearing that the industry's come here and it's really getting busy. So maybe I could try it here. And she said, uh, she, she knew nothing about the industry. She was like, well, how do you get paid? And I'm like, well, you only get paid if you get a job, you know? And she said, all right, now's the time. If you're going to do it, let's do it before we have kids. So we got married, moved to Baton Rouge, quit the offshore job and said, let's do it. And jumped in. And I started helping Sharon back but then. But you had, you had the 22000 Yes, that was what that was the other catch. That was the part she was like stressed about. She was like, Well, how are we gonna live? And I'm like, Well, your job will pay all of our bills and a little bit extra. And for anything extra, spending money, emergencies, if we want to put a little side, whatever, I've got twenty two thousand dollars saved up. <laughs> <laughs> and she couldn't pass that up. You know, she's like, Okay, all right. So I knew my my days were numbered at that point because she said, um, as long as you're not like you know, two years from now, we're having kids and you're sitting around on the couch waiting to be an actor. And, you know, I was like, no, 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 that's not me. You know, I'll, I'm, I'm a hustler. I'll, I'll, I'll make something happen. So by saying that, I kind of like I knew um, 
yeah, I needed to show some some uh, some signs of something pretty soon. Yeah, you know? I, I moved to L.A. with twenty two hundred dollars. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and a, and a credit card that had a five thousand dollar limit on it. Oh gosh, that's I, all I had in the world. That lasted eight days. <laughs> oh my god, it like was maxed out immediately. Yeah, um, I wish I had had twenty two thousand dollars. Yeah, well, I that's, know, yeah. that's a that's a good amount of money. I yeah. think even now. No, it is. To, it's crazy to, to think with. to save it. Yeah, like not to make it, but to save it. Like in other words, I was <laughs> still I've paying seen, bills. Right. The, the way your brain works, you probably figured out that number by being like, "How much to pay all my bills?" Like you weren't going to get a job. You no, I was figuring acting. Well, I was I was figuring um, working a job for two weeks out of the month, meaning worst case scenario, you get a job. Two weeks later, I lose the job because I'm chasing an audition or I'm chasing a this. That one goes away. So I'm like, literally, half of each month is screwed because I lost the job. But then you spend two more weeks trying to get, trying to get another, another crappy job. job. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you're spending money to get it. And I'm like, twenty. I, like I said, I don't know what the formula I used was, but it was twenty two grand. And um, then it's like that holy crap moment where you're like, how do I get twenty? How do I save twenty two thousand? Because I'm, you know, I, I literally. While I'm saving, I still have to pay bills. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So you so you you're you get married. Your wife agrees yeah. to you being an actor, and you're going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. This is 2009. Yeah, late 09. So, so that's when you get started, really. I sort mean, of. Like- yeah. And, and, and timing worked out really well because right around that time, Sharon Ward called me, mm-hmm. who was she was an agent in Mississippi at the time, and I had used her for commercials in Mississippi prior to getting the offshore job. Okay. And. um like as a client, as an agent, she was she was like, she was my agent in Mississippi. Okay, got you. Right, so like she had she had got me a couple of uh, commercial gigs before I said, okay, I got to go offshore and save money. Okay, and um, I remember she called me in October of '09. Coincidentally, like right when I'm about to get married and quit the the oil job, and she says, um, "Hey, listen, I was just curious if you're looking at getting back into things because I was trying to open up, and kind of do business in Louisiana." but I'm not over there that much. I was wondering if you could help me to recruit talent and be like a liaison between. And I'm like, well, coincidentally, I'm about to quit my job and I wanted to go be an actor, you know? So that's how that happened. And I helped her for the first year or so get on her feet, uh, establish her client base. And it was so insightful because again, once again, now fast forward, I got to see kind of behind the curtain working at Ms. Gale's office Mm -hmm. and how the process works. And now I'm seeing it more digitally and how it's grown since 06 and how it works. And I, man, there was so many useful uh, tidbits of knowledge that I gained during that period that I, that I utilize today. And I tell people all the time today, you know, I watched breakdowns come in. I watched her submit. I watched the requests come in. And I also watched them book someone before the deadline of the tape. Oh, You see what I mean? So I'm like, the role hits on a Tuesday and they're like, tapes need to be in by Thursday afternoon, but Wednesday they booked the person. Mm -hmm. And that taught me like early on, don't, do not wait to the deadline. Yeah. Get a, get as much quality as the best quality project uh, product you can get in as fast as you can get it. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen all the time like that, but yeah, I mean, sometimes It it, it does happen. Like it gets booked. Yeah. I mean, you, you, uh, traditionally have kind of been a, a, a master of self tapes, you know? <laughs> okay. So yeah. Uh, out of what you learned. Yeah. Probably from working you know, with Sharon. Sharon yeah. And, yeah. It, so it was, I remember it was late 09, uh, early 10, whenever there was a series in Shreveport called the gates. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, and Lisa, Lisa May Fikannon and mm-hmm. those guys and Craig Fikannon were casting it. And that was the first time I ever saw on the breakdown that came through where it said, we're taking videotape auditions, such and such, right? Because they were not in Shreveport. <laughs> they definitely weren't. But, <laughs> but point being is, is like I, I saw that and a light bulb went off and I was like, this is where the business is going to go. Yeah. Like it's totally going to go to taped auditions because I realized they can see more people. They don't have to be there on the ground. You know, I was like, I still love the live audition, but I was like, we got to work on this. And I told Sharon, I said, listen, and I remember the Christmas break of 09. I had so much crap set up in our little apartment, my wife's apartment, because I was trying to perfect a taped audition back then. Like, I wanted it to look like an Apple commercial, like <laughs> clean and white and beautiful and, you know. And um, so I was trying everything. And um, 
I told Sharon, listen, if anybody gets tape requests with the agency, send them to me. I'll tape them for free because I want to learn how to master this taping thing. Cool. And uh, yeah, so that's another thing that I attribute to uh, yeah, early on. Yeah, we all on. really did see that all flip on its head like very fast. It yeah, was so quick. Whole, yeah. Between 2010 and 2013 was just like night and day difference. Yeah, I mean, once the option became available, the entire industry changed yeah. it. And, yeah. it. and it started to happen like, so I started getting taped, so like started receiving tapes like when I first started doing this, really. Um, but like the systems weren't really all couldn't handle it. Uh, well, they weren't uh, like they aren't what they are now. Right. Like Ecocast wasn't a thing. Um, you could request a tape through mm -hmm. Breakdown, but they would have to email it. How to did, you. Yeah, they couldn't handle getting it to you. They're, like how how was I to present the all of these tapes to uh, to a producer, right? Um, and then I mean, Cast It was there, I think, from the get go, but. Cast it was always like the studio system that you you used if you were on a studio job, but like we had to figure out on my end how to present all this stuff. I remember like like Robert, I would be like Robert, what can what can I do? And like he would he set up like a fanfare fanfare a, yeah, I remember fanfare was an early me. one and like yeah, like I had all the agents like submitting through fanfare yeah, which is yeah. like. You no, know, no, I don't I even that. think that exists anymore. I don't think it does either. Basically, it's... like a smug mug account. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the technology is really like blossomed. So different. Yeah. So you you start you start honing in on these self tape skills yeah. and auditioning, and and then when did things start uh, happening for you as far as like starting to book jobs? So I I um you know it was officially like when I start off to the races, I consider to be like right after Christmas, like. January 10 was when I was like, all right, I'm totally free. I've been, I've gotten married. I got my honeymoon out of the way. Christmas holidays are gone. I've, I'm trying to perfect the taping. Here we go. Send me to any audition you can, you know? And, um, I, the, I think I booked a, uh, a regional commercial in April, but I was, I wanted the SAG job qualification. That's what I wanted. That you wanted was, to get your SAG card. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, it was July of 2010 that I, uh, booked. Good month. That's a good month. Yeah. It's his birthday. birthday. Birthday month. Um, sweet. Uh, <laughs> awesome. July of 2010, I, I booked the first SAG job in a movie in Atlanta. Um, a little horror movie. <laughs> and um, then it was like maybe four months later, I got another one, five months later. And then like the next one came like a little quicker, you know. And um, and then finally, and so the, the cool thing was, was like those first few jobs, like, like made my wife kind of excited like oh cool like you're doing a movie and then i remember i did like memphis beat and she actually got to see it on tv and she's like oh cool you know but financially like we're talking three jobs over the last year you know what i mean like yeah. working one day it wasn't right. and then i booked a robotussin commercial oh yeah a and, national yeah and i had no idea what i was in for and it, it aired for like two quarters and like i paid off both my car and my wife's car Nice. Like that, and and like she never asked another question about. Like, <laughs> like, right, like, okay, gonna, I'm good. We're gonna go She's with like, yeah. auditioning for commercials. Yeah, right, right. She would ask. I say, yeah, I'd say I gotta go for a commercial. Oh, commer yeah, go, go. Yeah. yeah, she was all about those commercials. Yeah. <laughs> massage on your back. Yeah, you right, right. Do you? Um, so, not to skip too far ahead, but no. I mean, you're you spend a lot of your time in Los Angeles now because mm -hmm. of your yes. show that you're on. Do you have a commercial agent out there that sends you on commercials? No. Would you? Do you uh, still... I have a voiceover commercial right uh, agent right now. Oh, good. I, I it's I'm so busy like really with shooting, mm -hmm. and then when I have a, a bulk of days off where they're consecutive on a schedule, I'll typically fly home to Atlanta to see the family. Gotcha. So I didn't want to like put myself out there and say, "Hey, commercial agent." Yeah, you know I can be on commercials, and but then, I'm not available. But I'm never available because I'm either shooting or gone, <laughs> and I didn't want to do that. So yeah. I got a voiceover uh, agent because they're better at letting you do it in your just trailer. tape it wherever you're at. Yeah, and send it in now. So I got one of those, and plus it's like my bucket list job is to get like one of these animated movies or something oh. that my kids can like go. My dad's the the silly rabbit guy in whatever movie. You know what I mean? Like. 
That's like my dream job. You sound really. you sound like a rabbit guy. Yeah. So if anyone out there is uh, <laughs> <laughs> casting a rabbit, a funny rabbit guy in a kids animated movie. Uh, all right. So you uh, get the three jobs. You get the Robitussin commercial, and yeah. then do things start? You know, start to start rolling. You know, yeah. like gigs. Yeah. So twelve picked up even more. Eleven was good. Twelve picked up by thirteen. It was crazy. You know, it was like, wow, like you're working. Yeah. I think 2013, I worked 17 different books, jobs. Damn. Yeah. 2013. Was, yeah. Not an unlucky number. That's like not 1700 auditions. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's all about the denominator, Robert. That's it. Um, but it, it was probably close to that, actually. Uh, you know, one of the things I did early on was like when I saw that they were that there was uh stuff happening in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So like I told Sharon, submit me for Atlanta. And she was like, what are you going to do? Drive over there? She's like, this is kind of before tapes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's, I, I quit my job so that I could do this. It's like, if, as long as I have eight hours notice, I can be there. Cause that's how long it took to get from Baton Rouge to Atlanta. And you had $22,000 and I got 22 grand. Let's make yeah. this work. <laughs> and, um, and I, so I bought a Prius for that reason, because Smart. I was like, got to figure this out. Right. And um, I, I figured that was a way to increase the denominator because, like, don't focus on getting the job. Focus on doing your best at every audition. But how can I get more auditions? Well, submit me for Atlanta projects. I'll double my auditions, right? And hopefully that'll increase the numerator. So, yeah, it was early on I was like, I'll tell you something else I did that was really kind of cool that I tell other actors. I remember in the uh, 90s I did a little bit of uh, not reporting, but I did a little bit of anchor work for one of the TV stations back home. Mm-hmm. And so I would see on Sharon's breakdowns when they come in, I would see so many times there was the role of newscaster, right? Uh-huh. And it would say, you know, preferably real newscaster, send attached demo, attached news demo reel. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I graduated in broadcasting. I've done like news stuff before, but I can't send them any of my footage because it's, Probably either unavailable, but if I did get it, I would look so different because it was so long ago. So I remembered like three of the stories that I helped cover. And I went and I wrote the script for them again. And I went out and shot them. I got a friend to come out with a camera. One was about a school board meeting. You know, it was really bad local news stuff. But one was about a school board meeting. One was about the Nike Open tournament that comes to Lafayette, the golf tournament. And then I chopped them up and just badly edited them, edited them on purpose, like really bad graphics like local TV in the 90s. And I put it together as my news demo reel. Like two months later, I was on the the set of uh, the Russell Crowe movie over here as a news reporter. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) You know, and it's like, increase the denominator. How can I get my agent to submit me for more projects so I'll get more auditions? Yeah. And the the whole (laughs) thing about casting reel is they just want... They just want it to be authentic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you're an actor and you can make it authentic, then that's yeah, that's even yeah. better, you know? Um, and how often do they cast the authentic person? Um, Good question. It, it happens a lot. The, especially with, newscasters. with newscasters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, happens all so the time. So having the backup of that reel. Like, like every, I would say, eight movies out of... 10 were casting a real person. The problem comes with newscasters is if they're under contract yeah. on for a station or if it's a television show and they say it's a show that airs on uh, CBS mm-hmm. and they aren't with the CBS, the CBS affiliate, family, the affiliate. umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're coming from NBC affiliate, it's a no go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking. Well, I was not with CBS affiliate. Yeah. <laughs> did not have these ties. I was not under contract. At the it time. also ha- has happened. Um, it's a, a crappy story, but uh, when I was doing the campaign, um, we very quickly cast all of the reporters in the movie from the local stations. Oh. Like, like our director was really happy with everyone he's like oh that guy's gonna be great and he, and they weren't just working one day these people were working like three weeks oh wow you know on a, a big movie, movie. score yeah Political. or it would be like a three-week spread where they're making some decent money and wow. literally a local station here in new orleans pulled every single one of them he read the, the station manager read, he read the, the script, script. <laughs> and pulled them uh one of them the day before and i had to i had to recast 
So those uh, those all either ended up being actors mm-hmm. that are in the movie or uh, or independent uh, newscasters who uh, aren't under contract. Gotcha. Yeah, it was it really kind of boned me. I was and, about to say, and the, and the reporters that were cast were so pissed at their boss. I bet. Oh, they were so pissed. But to get three weeks on a Will Ferrell movie, yeah, <laughs> they'd still be making money. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so we keep cutting into you. You're, no, it's you, all good. Man. Life's good in the. 2013 14 yeah yeah it was great and so what happens between then and now i mean your life has changed a lot (sighs) yeah yeah um so 14 was also a great year uh 15 was the first half was great and then that's when louisiana kind of tampered with their um tax program you remember that oh yeah Yeah. we all do does anybody remember that the fall of 15 in more ways than one. Yeah. The fall. The fall of 15. Yeah. Wow. See what I did there? Oh, man. Maybe yeah. that's the title of this up. The fall of 15. Yeah. The fall of 15 hurt me so bad. And I remember, like, I was attending the uh, this subcommittee meetings and all that and over in Baton Rouge. And, and when it went through and it uh, it passed, the, they passed that bill, I remember my wife saying, well, what's it going to do? You know, what does it mean? I said, well, I know it's going to hurt, but I don't know. I don't know what to what degree? Like, I don't know if I'm going to lose 20% of my auditions or if I'm going to lose 80. And it took me about two months to realize it was closer to 80, 90% because I keep a spreadsheet. You may have heard. Um, we're going to talk about the spreadsheet. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Um, Hey man, the spreadsheets worked well for you. (laughs) So I keep a spreadsheet of, um, all my auditions. And since I started and, I updated every few months. I'm not like so organized that I do it every audition. I can't do that. But like every three months I would go catch it up and update it. And I, I was looking at my auditions. I remember like it was November 15, December. And it was like, oh my gosh. Like I was auditioning f- say seven to 10 times for an Atlanta project mm-hmm. before I'd get one for Louisiana. Like it was mm. so quick that it just dropped for me anyway. I mean, I know everyone's different, but, and I told my wife at the beginning of 2016, I was like, we got to go. We're going to have to move. And um, she, she knew that was a possibility, you know? Yeah. But she had never lived out of Louisiana. Her family lives here. My family lives here. And, and we, she did she she had a job at that time that yeah, was here? And, yes. She was working in Baton Rouge. Um, and the the cool thing was that the her parent, the company she was working for, their domestic home office was in Atlanta. Uh-huh. So we knew that for a couple of years and we were like, if we ever did have to move, it'd have to be, you know, Atlanta would be the place for my stuff and hers. So I remember January coming around and I was like, babe, we're going to have to go. And January through June of 16 was the hardest time of my career. Like, consider jumping off a bridge. Not really, but like, it was just brutal. I mean... Um, yeah. I mean, you'd had you'd had a lot of success so, locally, yes, yes. and you're booking all these jobs. I mean, 17 in one year—that's yeah. huge. Like nobody does that. It was, and then to go to almost nothing. It was so bad. It was like at that point, I think I'd, you know, I'd, I'd gotten uh, 55 jobs in 55 months at that point, and you know, from the first SAG job, and all of a sudden. You know, and I always, you always hear the actor stories about the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs, but I was just in the right place at the right time for those last few years where I didn't have a down. It was like, I wouldn't go f- if I went six weeks without getting something, well then I'd have two, you know, to kind of make up for it. It just kind of all balanced out. And it was great. And then all of a sudden I'm still auditioning, but nothing is happening. And it was so brutal and I'm dying and I'm like, baby, we got to go. And she's finally coming around. Okay. And so we start fixing up her house to sell it. And moved to Atlanta. And we put the house on the market in June of 16. We got some visits over the summer. And then all of a sudden, August 14th of 2016, uh, our house floods. It's that massive flood that hit Baton Rouge. And we lost our house, both cars. The Prius was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just saw all the numbers go down. The there. numbers were bad at the time. <laughs> but your family's safe. Family was safe, which was awesome. Yes. Uh, got, got the, we had to get the kids taken out on a boat and everything. And wow. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It's like what you see on CNN. Yeah, exactly like that. Exactly. Uh, 
boat comes in and it's knocking over mailboxes when it's coming in because the water's so high in the streets. And uh, yeah, and, and my kids don't know how to swim at that point. And I'm freaking out, you know, and I'm, we've got them in life jackets and loading them up. And uh, it was the bottom of the barrel time. Like it was, it was about as close to rock bottom as I could imagine. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, but it's no fault of yours. No, I mean, no, just, no, no. It's just, it's what it is. Just everything coming at once. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I, uh, we didn't have flood insurance um, because we were told we didn't need it. We were elevated. We have a, a one in, 20,000 chance of ever getting water in your house. Like it was, you know, so no flood insurance and, um, Geico covered our cars, which was terrible. Cause like they gave me like seven grand for my Prius, which gets me across the country for work all the time. Like what can I buy for seven grand? You know? Right. So it was really bad. And then, uh, I told my wife, I'm like, we're just going to have to walk away from this. And, uh, she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and, uh, she sounds so reasonable. And then the argument lasted a little longer than that. It was a little, you know, crazy. And I, I finally said, okay, fine, whatever. I'll try to make it work otherwise. But we sat in that house. We, we gutted the uh, downstairs out. And uh, we lived upstairs for two or three months. Three kids, the cat, me and my wife. The only thing upstairs at our house was the, the kids' rooms and my office and one bathroom. No kitchen. It was just terrible. It was, oh, it was the worst living upstairs and um and then finally she came around and said you know what i think we're just gonna have to go <laughs> <laughs> you and showed so, her <laughs> she was that cool okay, about it <laughs> no, and, uh, we uh we, we saw I, I to be safe like i didn't want to like it to be my idea you know so i was like let's go see some attorneys and let them look at it and they were all like you guys gotta go like there's no way out of this you're screwed so uh, you left so we left went to atlanta and and then you, within within two months, I book a job back <laughs> three here. weeks on SEAL Team in New Orleans. Yes. How'd you get that awesome job? And, and, to, and to, to make the Murphy's Law thing even worse, uh, the period where we're living upstairs at the house, mm-hmm. all of a sudden things did get better with work. Like from August to November, I worked like literally 10 jobs in that little bitty short span. That's crazy. It was. Yeah, that, so I actually crazy. caught up with my, my average. You know, I was always looking at my numbers and, okay, the year's not going to be so bad. <laughs> and and I um uh but then we moved Thanksgiving of sixteen. Since moving to Atlanta, I've worked one day on a set in Atlanta. Well, yeah, but things changed pretty fast. Sure, definitely. But like, I got to Atlanta, I got you know, the, didn't get any bookings over there. It was just crazy. Right. It's Murphy's yeah. Law. So right, right. so you get to Atlanta, and uh, things are starting to get better. So before we get into SEAL Team, sure, I want to talk about your spreadsheet <laughs> because one of the things that you did. Uh, when things were rough, I would I I think that was that period. Is um, a local organization here was raising money for the tax incentives yeah. to, to lobby the the to help lobby the, the film for the film industry. Yeah. And um, they they uh, had like an auction or yeah yeah or one something. of those GoFundmes with the Go levels fund. of donation. Right. You get a T shirt. You get this. And one of the levels was a one on one for an hour or half hour or whatever with a casting director. And I think <laughs> I was one. Liz, I think Liz I think. was one. Maybe Megan and Brent. Um, and you you purchased that level. Yes. And <laughs> you, so <laughs> and and for you, but no, you you used your. I still talk about it to this day. Okay, good. Because you used your time to present your spreadsheet to me. <laughs> yes. As a, as like a businessman yes. and not as an actor, because <laughs> you know that I know that you're a good actor right, and right. that you could handle roles. You just were were puzzled at the yeah. numbers. Yes. So let's be specific because. What did you present? What was that presentation? Ryan's numbers were off. You weren't presenting your numbers. Ryan's numbers were off. He wasn't bringing you, <laughs> you in you, enough <laughs> compared to other casting You basically, directors, no, it was the opposite. He was bringing me in all oh, and the time. Book, oh, and not booking. But and, not booking. And oh, there was like, okay. And, and, okay, so when you, when you have a spreadsheet, like there's many reasons, right? Right. But the biggest help early on with the spreadsheet was the fact that like I could literally tell you any Southeastern casting director what they see me as and what they don't. So Fair enough. I can tell you that uh, Lisa Mayfin Cannon mm-hmm. sees me as early 30s. Tracy Kilpatrick sees me as late 30s, early 40s. And the way I know that is because I can look at the trends that you can only look at it over a long period of time. 
not just once or twice, not just an audition here and there. You got to look at it over time. And so I would see those things and it would help. Like Alex, my agent, knew if I said, Alex, you should uh, definitely try to get me in for the cop thing on such a with Tracy. Like he knew I was basing that on track record. Because that's worked for her before. Yes. With you. Yes. Right. He also knew that if I said, Alex, I think there's a problem. <laughs> with with Ryan so and so he knew to listen like he knew I wasn't being a paranoid actor like because we all think something's wrong at some point right but yeah. I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like so I started auditioning with Ryan in late 2010 got a call back okay 2011 another call back uh, late 2011 a booking and huh. then 2012 I'm still seeing him but then like Holy crap, nothing. And this was like 2016 when I came into that meeting, I believe. I think so. Yeah, it was. It was actually a Mardi Gras of 2016. Okay. And I was looking at my numbers and I'm like, I added up the roles because sometimes you come in and you read for two or three roles, right? And I'm like, holy crap. I'm like 0 and 54. Like, not even a callback. <laughs> Ryan Glorious. Son of a bitch. And then I look at the other casting directors and I'm like, well, shoot, man, like, my, my track record is really good with this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. What's going on? Like, is he is he torturing me? Like, is he, <laughs> he's making me drive over there. <laughs> but, you know, what did I do? And so. I, it, I think it was a very effective yeah, use of your time. And I'll say this because I think every actor should hear this part. I knew you personally, right? Yes. And I also knew you professionally. Yes. But I the prop the reason I did the consultation was because it was one of those things where it's like when I see Ryan and Robert out I don't want to ask you about work right sure when I come in here to do work and get you know my Owen 53rd reading um, I don't want to ask you about work like let's do the work right and so the problem had been building up for a while I saw I caught it early mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to address it and Alex would say, well, do you want me to talk to him? I'm like, nah, no, I just, let's just keep going at it and see. And finally, I, I was going to donate to the thing anyway. I told my wife, I was like, look, I'm going to have to donate to this thing because we really need the tax credit. We need to lobby. And then that thing popped up where it said consultation. I'm like, this is it. This is my time where I can talk to Ryan professionally. But don't you think you the consultation was more for me? What do you mean? I mean, like, oh. you counseled me. Like, I'm giving you a <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think so. I, I think I think that that session was eye-opening for me. And maybe maybe part of it was that I did know you on a personal level. Yeah. You know, and maybe, and, and, maybe and, and that factors into... To Ryan's like, credit, when I told you and showed you the numbers, I mean, I'll never forget your face, it was so obvious that you had no idea. Like, it, it wasn't anything intentional. It wasn't like, and you, you were like, wow. Like, and I remember how you, you were calling out different titles of movies. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. It was, um, I could tell you had no clue that, 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 that track record or that trend had developed. And, um, you know, I, one of the things that I made sure that I, when I came in that day, the spreadsheet was like, I wanted a thesis, uh, a main sentence, a thesis sentence, because I didn't want Ryan to get the wrong idea. I didn't want to come in here and show you these numbers and ask Ryan, why is it Owen 54? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know, my question was, Ryan, what can I do to make sure the next 54 aren't like this? Like, let's go forward. Who cares about why? I don't want to know why. But what can I do to increase it? What can I do to, to better this? Did, and I, did I say anything? You just went, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And you said, I had no idea. But guess what? Guess what? <laughs> what has been the greatest booking of your career? Uh, Who it came you? from Ryan Glorioso. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Right, good, okay, good segue. So, so cut to a year or so later, and you book this pilot. Yes. Which turns out to be... Um, a really good thing for you. Crazy, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and and you worked as a local hire. I sure did. I sure did. And so you, let's and talk you, this through. So yeah. SEAL Team comes to shoot. CBS yeah. comes to shoot SEAL Team in New Orleans, a pilot. Yep. And you get cast in a fairly... So I, yeah, I get the uh, uh, request to tape the audition. 
And I looked at those sides and I'm like, it was a pretty meaty roll, you know, mm-hmm. and I went, oh, this would be great for someone in L.A. Like, I really like I was, you know, I, yeah. I don't like uh, it's not doesn't mean I'm going to half ass the audition. I'm going to go for it. Swing for the fences. But still, I was looking at it like this is going to someone in L.A. And turned it in and then boom, I'm booked. And it was a pilot. And I learned a long time ago. Don't get excited about pilots. Yeah, because I'd worked three of them back in like 2011, like Hound Dogs and all those pilots. The sure. How many people were on that pilot that you booked, Ryan? How many people did you book in that episode? A 15? bunch. Yeah, like 15. 15. Or so, so yeah. yeah. So you're, yeah. It doesn't mean you go into the show. It doesn't mean right. And right. I, it doesn't even mean the show's going to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, right. I like there I said, 2011, I worked three pilots as a recurring detective and all a cop and all. None of them saw the light of day. Right. So I was burnt on that early. So I looked at it as, holy crap, this is a good job. We need the cash. We're trying to figure out what to do with the house and whatever. Right. Yes, I'll work as a local, whatever. So I come back, or I come to New Orleans to shoot it, and um, I got the full script when I got to the hotel. Like, the day before I was supposed to shoot it, and I, I read the full script, and I'm like, wow, this is actually good. Hotel? Yeah, I put myself up. Uh, no, no, when I shot, uh, the, remember the first few days I was in a hotel, and then I went to stay Oh, was that yeah. what your comment was about? That's what he was. That's what he was. <laughs> hotel Gloria. Hotel. Show was like, uh, no, like no, no, no. The first house. few days I was at the hotel. <laughs> okay. But when I when I read the script that night, I was like, wow, this is really good. But don't get excited. It's a pilot. Then I get to set, and, and the cast is great, and we, we all like really connected really well. And uh, I look at the dailies, and I'm like, wow, this is really good. Don't get excited, you know? <laughs> and it went so well, and, it, and we finished up the pilot. And I remember leaving, and um, uh, at some point, I told Alex, we really need to watch the trades on this and see what they're going to do if it gets picked up because it was a great show. It was a great project, and I think the character has a chance of coming back, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, when I, got the, when I got the script, it's like literally it's like the six regulars listed on the second page or whatever. Here's your six regulars, and the next character was mine. You know, Lieutenant Commander Blackburn. I'm like, okay. Definitely, like, by far the highest up I'm on the totem pole that I've been in. And um, I said, well, you need to keep an eye on it. Sure enough, like, uh, around May, I think, after the upfront, CBS announces, okay, they're picking up SEAL Team. And I'm like, yes, but where are they going to shoot it? And we wait, we wait, we find out they're going to shoot in Los Angeles. So I called Alex and said, Alex, get on the phone. Call the production office for SEAL Team. Let them know if they want to bring me back, I'll be happy to work as a local. Because I'm figuring if they're going to bring me back over there for a guest star, just just one episode, it's good for the resume, it's good for the reel, it's good for all that. But I'll come out ahead if I get an Airbnb and a plane ticket, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so he calls and tells them that, and uh, they were like, oh, great. No, his name did come up, and we were wondering. So, Because I didn't want logistics to get in the way. Right. I didn't want him to be like, yeah, we'd love to have Judd. But- you didn't want somebody brainstorming this just to... You know, think you wouldn't go. Well, so, sure, because yeah, well, things happen so quick at a, at a roundtable yep. discussion. It's like, well, oh, he's not from here. Oh, but he's, he's in a, Georgia. No, okay, no, we'll get someone else. Right. Like I had a feeling the character would come back, but not necessarily Judd. You know, they don't have to use me. Right. So they told him. They said, "Oh, thanks," because his name did come up, and I'll pass it on that he can work as a local. And the next week they called and checked availability, and uh, then the next week they called and made the the booking, and I was booked for July sixteenth through July 26th of last year. And so I got a little carry-on bag, and I went out to L.A., and I'm like, honey, I'll be back in a week and a half. And, um, uh, and you haven't been back yet? Yeah. <laughs> and during uh, during one oh, the episode 102, they booked me for 103. And then during 103, they booked me for 104. And that continued that way. So you are working as a guest a Guest, guest star, actor. recurring guest star. And on each of those episodes... And they literally every episode I would find out about the next one, and that went for the entire twenty-two. So I never knew more than one in advance if, I, if you were coming back. Yeah, so I didn't know if I should sign a lease. I didn't know if I should bring my car out there. I'm like, I don't know if I'll be home for our anniversary. I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything. But it was I was having the time of my life. It was an opportunity that um, hadn't come my way before. It was. It was just. It was incredible. Um, so yeah, on a big show. Do you think? Show, yeah. Do you think uh, them keeping you on, um, and then eventually, or bringing you back for the second episode? Do you think 
you did a lot of work prior to the show and maybe you don't even know how much of it was produced by CBS. Do you think, do you think that the casting execs at CBS were familiar with you? Cause I know I booked you on, um, on zoo and a pretty nice guest role. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure lots of other series. Sure. Yeah. CBS. Do you several CBS things? And I think that, uh, definitely that probably helped get me in there. And then once you're on and you do well and you're working hard and, uh, I think then it's just encouraging everyone to keep bringing you back. Yeah. But it was funny cause I do remember like, um, our, our showrunner the first season uh, and, um, creator, uh, Ben mm-hmm. had told me one time, like third or fourth episode, something about my Jack Reacher stuff. Oh. And, um, and I was like, Oh, you've seen that. Okay. I didn't know if you need, I didn't know that he knew that was me. I may, you know what? Uh, a lot of times, maybe you showed it. Uh, yeah, a lot of times we will send your audition and then put your reel at the end. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's yeah. how he saw it. But he, he yeah. saw it. He, he was like, "Yeah, you were fantastic." Uh, yeah. And then he mentioned some other show, and I'm like, and it was so encouraging. Like, as he's familiar with you. Yeah, I still have the mentality that we all have down here in some ways that like nobody knows you. Nobody knows we're getting the job, but then that's it. The job's over and nobody in LA knows who I am or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool that like, here's a showrunner. I'm only two or three episodes in and he's telling me about my work. I remember, I remember him being excited about you. Like from oh, the, cool. from the get go, it was like, you know, when you, we send the link of like the options yeah. and it was like, definitely Judd Lorman. Like, oh, wow. like maybe you were their idea yeah. without like recognizing who you were right 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 you know like yeah. you were the prototype in their head the, for this. Yeah, what they were looking for and like preparation meets opportunity <laughs> yes and, yeah i say that all the time you know? um and and so it it worked out yeah right? i did i mean yeah. you've, you've got the job of your life so yes that's awesome yes yes um and I think it's like on the because we talked about this recently, it's important to know that people are paying attention. Like yeah. the casting executives at the networks, it's their job to pay yeah. attention yeah. to who's working and to know, you know, right? Yes, yes. I learned so much being out there because one thing that's so different is like, you know, I'm I'm used to down here where we have a table read, for instance. Um, we we shoot the show, but your network guys, your execs, they're never here. You know, it's it's the right. it's the on the ground producers and line producers and whatever they're here. Working over there on the CBS lot in Studio City, where we're shooting our show, you're having lunch a lot of the times with those office executives. Right. And you know, it was just such a um, uh, enlightening experience when someone would come up to me in the lunch line and be like, "Hey, Judd, I'm," uh, or they would say, uh, Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm uh, Emily, you know, and say, Hey, Emily, it's nice to meet you. I'm Judd. And they're like, Oh, no, no, we know, we know. Uh, <laughs> your stuff's great. We love it. And then I'd sit and eat lunch with them for a few minutes. And someone says, Yeah, that's Emily Zozo. CBS, she's network. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa, like they know who we are. <laughs> and yeah, like it was so cool. And then I run into uh, CBS has a gym where I would go work out in the mornings before work. And I ran into this girl one day who I'd seen before. I didn't know where. I'd, I couldn't place her. She's like, hey. And I was like, hey. And then we get to talking on the treadmills or whatever. And I remembered, okay, she was at our first table read uh, for 102. And we get to talking. I'm like, what do you, what exactly, you know, do you do? And she was like, I work, I'm with the network. So I'm on the treadmill and I'm like, okay, cool. What does that mean? Like, <laughs> what exactly do you do? You said that? Yeah. Because she was sweet and nice and like. I, for so long, we've heard about the network, the network, right. network approval, network this. I'm like, what do you do? You know? And she's like, well, I'm with, um, I'm over, I'm in the department of drama and something, drama and documentary, drama and reality or something. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah. So what do you like? What's your daily, you know, what do you, and she's like, well, what we do is like, we watch a lot of TV. And I was like, okay. And she's like, we, uh, we have to watch all of our, all the episodes of the dramas on our show. But each person is assigned like four dramas from another station to another watch. Another network. Another network. That's what, yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of TV. And I realized like when they say going up to network and network approval, I realized like when you're in the Southeast and you work two, three episodes of American Horror Story or Zoo or whatever, it's not just the people on the ground here mm-hmm. that see your work. There's an office of people that their job is to 
watch these shows and whatever, who know who we are. And it was so encouraging to me. And I was like, I will tell every Southeastern actor this for years to come because I wish I would have known that all these years that, you know, people are paying attention to what we do down here. It matters. And if it's good, they'll notice. So it's important to make sure I told everyone that, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh man, this is a lot of good info. (laughs) Well, do you guys feel good? I feel like like we could probably talk like, uh, yeah. For days, we could go. Yeah, we could go three episodes here. Yeah. Right, but how, is it an hour? Was that? Yeah, an hour? That was, we killed an hour a while back, right? Mainly someone uh, that's now getting some great success, like from an actor that is still in this market. It doesn't, uh, just like, and you you worked quite a bit in this market. What what advice would you have for a local actor here? Um, don't get ahead of yourself. Like, uh, in the way I don't mean ahead of yourself. I mean, I never said no to any job. And I know that there's uh, trains of thought that are different. And I, like I say, I respect everyone's train of thought. But I'm like the person that says, if I say no to this, you know, and, and they go, okay, fine, we'll go with this guy, right? Because the uh, the Caucasian late 30s cop guy is never going to be that hard to find some, you know what I mean, for what I was saying. <laughs> so I knew there was people in line for the job. And it's like, what if I say no, someone else does it. I don't work. I don't meet that director. I don't meet that producer. I don't, it, why? It doesn't serve me any purpose to say no. So I would say never say no. And I was even jaded at, at, at some point to, to say, well, you know, Southeast, I'm only going to get to this level. I'm only going to, there's a glass ceiling. I'm only going to get this. I'm only going to get that. And I was wrong. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm working out there on the show, but it comes from a job in the Southeast. And, so I say, don't get jaded, keep hustling, and never, never say no to anything, you know? I mean, relatively speaking. You know? Unless you completely disagree with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's um, great advice. I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's, that's, how I, uh, that's how I look at things. And I even told my agent at one point, like, if you think it's something I shouldn't do, don't send me the audition. Because I'm going to swing for the fences and if they offer it to me, I'm, I'm not going to say no. Like, <laughs> and he noted, <laughs> um, well, that was then I'll, I'll be sending it to you directly <laughs> right. from now on. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not auditioning for you anymore. <laughs> well, I'm, I, uh, I yes, will, you sure you don't write it. What I'm off, uh, April, May, June. So. Okay. All right. This is awesome. Before, wait, wait, yeah. Can we, can I do one more thing? Yeah. Yeah. So before I've been waiting for a long time to do this. Not a long time, but we do it on the air. Okay. Get the honest reaction. But um, are you giving Ryan a bag because Ryan's going to show me bags. his headshot? It's not the bag that you liked. It's yeah, I know you liked my bag, but you're not getting my bag. But uh, no, I got this back in um, like February or March. I got one for my agent, one for my manager. But I was like, I got a third one because I wanted to give it to Ryan so much. Oh, check this out! Right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> huh? So we got is a framed autograph. One one. That's the pilot oh, that he uh, that, that Ryan cast. That's awesome. So I'll describe <laughs> it. It's the SEAL Team 101 uh, cover page uh, signed by the cast. Oh, Entire cast, the writer shit. and showrunner. Dude. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm Thank like, you so much. Uh, I'm job. crying a You're little a bit. <laughs> yeah, don't make me cry. Yeah. That's, oh, that's my. Uh, that'll go up on the wall for <laughs> show. Yeah, I was. I, I wanted to give it to you in person. I was it's like, replace those you know, things that are up there. No, no. <laughs> Robert, cool. you can decide where it goes. Okay, I will. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that it. Is, man. That's it's... really sweet. <laughs> you flew with that? With uh, no, I, I. Um, All right. You what I did was I, I've, I've, yeah, I got, got the you. frame down. I called my sisters and get this frame, blah, 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 this specific frame, and because um, I didn't want yours to look different than anyone else's that I got. Um, my agent manager, in case you guys ever compared it. <laughs> You know, so I got the exact frame <laughs> that everyone think, else got. It's all you equal. Think everything through, Judd. Yeah, right, right. And uh, so I got the exact frame. My sister picked it up at uh, the store the other night before I landed. And then, dude, that's so nice. Uh, yeah, I've never got that's that's really nice. Well, good man. Thank I, yeah, thank you. I, I, appreciate I couldn't that. wait to give it to you. I thought it was a uh, it was pretty cool. You know, it's fucking cool. <laughs> it's got it's got uh, Boreanaz though, right? Oh yeah, not every Cre- all the Cre-Vizio. all. The, Right, not Caviezel. <laughs> no, it's got Dave. It's got all of us on there. That's and, awesome. Um, Thank you yeah. so much. Not a problem, man. My pleasure. All Anytime. right. Well, 
Oh, I'm 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 choked up. Oh. Thank you, Jason, for running aboard. Jason, you man. Um, we're at Talk Like Normal, at Glorioso Casting, at Jason Edwards TV, at Full Grown Mouse, Justin TC underscore underscore. Why did you, Why did you point to Robert at Full Grown Mouse? That's his. Uh, that's his Instagram. Oh, I didn't know that. Instagram. Well, I didn't know or that. Or Twitter. Yeah. And wow. you are at Judd Lormond. Yes. Are you both Twitter and Instagram or just... Well, Twitter by default. I'm mainly Instagram and I send it from gotcha. Instagram to the other two. I'm, I'm not really good at tweeting. So. But do they follow you on Twitter at Judd Lormond? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Judd Lormond and uh, on Instagram, okay. Facebook and Twitter. With yeah. two Ds. Two Ds. Uh, in the Three Judd. total. In the Judd. Yeah. In yeah. The three, Judd total, right? three total. Three <laughs> total. Congratulations, Judd. Yay, Judd. You're a hardworking man. You deserve all of it. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. We're out. <laughs> Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. Create a searchable profile accessible by multiple casting directors who are casting major film, television, and commercial projects. MyCastingFile.com. <laughs>